Welcome to the Women Shifting Gears podcast, where we talk to some of the most dynamic, inspiring, and powerful women who are changing the narrative of what it means to be female in the automotive space. I'm your host, Amanda Busick. They say it might not be easy, but it will be worth it. To all the women out there sitting in the left seat, grab your road snacks. Let's go for a ride. Well, it is time again for your weekly Women Shifting Gears podcast. And before we break into our next guest, thank you. Thank you for coming along in this journey with us. Thank you for sharing in these weeks with us. We could not do this without you. And we appreciate your loyalty to the Shifting Gears community. Sabre Cook is a successful female racing driver with over 15 years of experience. She's been in carts, formula cars, and sports cars. She grew up in Grand Junction, Colorado, and began driving at the young age of eight. As her passion grew, she started racing competitively at the tender age of 10. Sabra is a voracious competitor, so much so that she currently joins us from a hotel room near a racetrack. Welcome in, Sabra. A racing driver that hails from Grand Junction, Colorado, and at 26 years young, Sabra Cook joins us here on Women Shifting Gears. And Sabra, when you look over what you have learned in 26 years, take us back to the beginning. How did racing start for you? So racing, I was kind of born straight into it. So uh, my parents used to host um, Supercross events um, because my dad, he used to race motocross and Supercross professionally. And um, after he retired, he found karting. But um, when I was literally born, my my mother, they were preparing for a Supercross race the day of this. And uh, she happened to have a little spill and induced her into labor. And so they literally had to take her from the Supercross race to the hospital to give birth. And same with my dad. He, he went straight there. And uh, so I was I was born on Supercross Saturday. And then uh, we got into karting later when uh, my parents obviously didn't want my brother and I racing motorcycles. So it was a little bit safer. So got into karting when I was about eight years old, started racing more competitively when I was about 10. Um, had a awesome, very successful, amazing, awesome karting career um, uh, for, for a while. And then finally made the jump to cars in 2017. So racing is literally in your blood. Back to those early years, you said you started racing at eight, but I'm sure you were asking a long time before that. When did you know that was something you wanted to do? Um, actually, I think it came later for me, probably when I was about, I think thir- when I was about 13 is really when I knew like, okay, this is what I really want to do for the rest of my life. For sure. At eight years old, like I, even then, like before then, my dad had a shifter cart that he would drive um, and he would sit us on his lap in like in the park they'd set up a track in the parking lot and we would uh we'd, he would just give us like you know slow little rides around the parking lot uh, in that cart what's it like being a kid at a racetrack well so my my dad and his brother and my grandfather and an investor actually ended up building a karting track in my hometown so i literally grew up at the go-kart track and um being a kid at a go-kart track in uh in the deserty area of where we grew up was like it was probably one of the coolest, most like creative, active things because I mean, we were, we were allowed to, you know, create forts out of so many things (laughs) and there we got, we were outside constantly. And whether that be like chasing lizards in the desert or, uh, I don't know, playing, playing with whatever mechanical things happened to be around the racetrack at that time. So it was definitely uh, a different childhood and 
but I'm really, really glad for it. Cause I feel like I got um, it to experience a lot of different things and, and be more uh, active in different ways. What do you think that style of living taught you? Um, I think watching my parents have their own businesses really taught me the, the value of hard work and what it really takes, you know, for people to invest time, money, <laughs> sweat, blood, tears into building uh, a business or going after something that they're passionate about. Um, both my parents are like, they work crazy amounts. And so like for, to see that, you know, hardworking mentality from a young age, definitely um, instilled that in me. And and I always try to just really make sure I'm working hard and, and putting myself in the right path to, to go where I want to go. So you started racing at eight and competitively at 10. Was it a natural talent for you? At first, I was extremely excited about it. And then I spun out. I remember in my little 50 cart and I scared myself quite, quite bad. And then so I decided I was going to drive very slow around the track, like on the inside, like grandma style. They called me driving Miss Daisy. And, uh, and, and then I, I was getting, I got teased by some young boy, uh, at one of the local races. And, uh, after that, it kind of flipped a switch in me. And I was like, dad, if I had a faster card, I could win. Cause at that point I had like a, it was like a hand-me-down card from one of my cousins that probably couldn't win the class anyways. He's like, well, okay. And so he got me the new car. And all of a sudden I just was like, I just, I don't know. I just flipped a switch and I was a different person. I was competitive and, Um, I just really committed to it and got like obsessed with just making sure I took care of my go-kart and went out first race in the car and won by 10 seconds. So it was like very drastic, uh, drastic change. What part of that competitiveness drives you? I guess I just like almost a satisfaction sometimes of when you put in all those hard work and you really pay attention to the details and then just proving to yourself that, you know, that, that is what you need to do to be successful. That is what you need to do to, to come out on top. And then just, I guess, having that sort of satisfaction that you, you were able to push yourself in the right direction in order to achieve your goals. I've asked, uh, on the drag racing side, this community, this question a couple times for you is winning better or is losing worse? I don't. Okay. It's not okay. With racing, like, right. The, the ratio of you winning, um, versus like a traditional sport, you know, it's like, you got a 50, 50 shot, but racing the majority of the time, you're not going to win. And I think that yes, winning is amazing, but losing, losing is not great, but it's also, I think racing teaches you a different perspective about things sometimes because majority of the time you're going to fail. And that's a good thing because that means you get to learn, you get to grow. So that way you can make yourself that much stronger the next time that you perform. When you say the majority of time you're, you're not going to win, where do you find some of those small victories then? Uh, I think it's all about setting realistic goals um, and setting like performance goals, right? So with racing, there's a lot of things that are outside of our control, whether that's um, the car brakes or someone run into you or et cetera, et cetera. And so I think it's all about setting those performance goals and controlling the controllables and knowing that if you do your job in those performance areas, then you can feel good about the job that you did. You said at 13 years old that you knew at that moment, that this is what you wanted to do for the rest of your life. What did you start doing then? So in that moment, um, that was actually the first time I won the Tag USA World Championships. And it was after a weekend 
where it was, you know, me and my dad at the cart track it was the first time I'd attempted to go run a big race. Um, and I was, um, we were struggling at the beginning of the weekend, couldn't figure out what's going on. I was super frustrated, but you know, my dad was with me every step of the way. He was my mechanic. We just kept our heads down and, and it did everything we could found. There was actually a problem with the carburetor and we're like, okay, it's going to be good. We just got to give it our all. And I just remember thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do, but I'm just going to do my best and, uh, and try to enjoy it. And then I, we went out and we ended up dominating the whole weekend from qualifying through, through the last race. So it was kind of a, a moment where, you know, you have adversity and having my dad there to just show me that if you continue to work hard and, and you push through it, that, you know, you can achieve what you want to achieve. So uh, I think that was, that was the moment that I was like, okay, I, I can get behind, you know, this sort of, this sort of routine regularly. And then as you progress forward from there, where did your path take you on that? You think of in high school and, and you're growing uh, racing, um, resume. So after that, um, I got into more of the national karting scene and then international karting scene and ended up winning three world championships, three national championships. And then finally was, I was at, well, I was also the the first woman to qualify for a KZ world KZ two world cup. So I was really pleased about that. And then in 2017, when I was, uh, in the, Last year of my undergraduate degree, I got a call and it was a a family, a friend of a family friend. And he was like, all right, you ready to do this thing? You let's do this. And I was like, okay, here we go. And so I did my first, uh, first car race in April, 2017 in a spec racer Ford at some (laughs) point. And since then, um, he's stuck with me among other partners that have come on board and I've been able to do some pretty, pretty awesome things. And I'm super great for the opportunities. Uh, I did a few USF 2000 races in 2018, a couple USF four races. And then in 2019, I qualified for the W series, um, which was, which was awesome, amazing experience. Um, and did well enough to qualify again for W series the next year. Obviously, COVID right. changed everyone's plans, um, and then but I was able to do a couple Indy Pro 2000 races and get a few top ten finishes in those. So that was that was a nice little thing, even though it was 2020. And and then this year, I've been super fortunate to be in a car pretty consistently more than I ever have, whether it be a go kart or a car. And uh, doing SCCA races, I did the Global MX5 race at Daytona. Um, and now I am here at the Porsche Print Challenge race for Coda this weekend. And then literally next week I have a SCCA race and then I go straight to the UK for the first <laughs> W Series test. So it's been a it's been a busy and but very um, blessed year so far. I would imagine every car is set up differently. How do you manage the variety? Yes, it's it, they're all very different. And I've been um, really actually really glad that I've gotten to drive so many different things lately, because I think as a as a driver, your your mojo as a driver is your ability to adapt. And if you're good at adapting, you know, you're, you're going to be one of the top drivers. So having all those vehicles are great um, to just kind of sort of take in that data, that information. And uh, <laughs> I say this to my students all the time when I'm coaching, but your butt becomes like this, like source of data, 
because you're like, it just takes in all these data points from all these different cars, all these different tracks. And you just, cause you, you drive with your butt, right? So it becomes a, it's a, it's extremely valuable experience for anything that you're going to do in the future. Cause even if you get into a series and you're racing one type of car consistently, that car is never going to be exactly the same. The tracks are never going to be exactly the same and you have to be able to adapt to whatever balance that you're driving. So right now I'm, I'm, I'm super grateful for the, for the chance to be able to learn to adapt. I think I'm going to change seat time to butt time now. Yes, butt time. (laughs) But on that, when you, so with the different variety and the different setups within cars, is there something that you can draw on that is similar that you can use in all of these experiences? Yeah, I mean, the the basics of driving are always going to be pretty straight across the board. What No matter what you're driving, there's obviously a good way to drive and a wrong way to drive. So um, that that is consistent. And then always just understanding what type of balance you need for the type of corner you're approaching, whether it be a slow corner or a fast corner. That is always going to be, um, that's always going to be the same no matter what kind of car you're in. Well, I want to get into your racing style, but I want to go back to 2017. You mentioned that you were finishing uh, your undergrad and uh, uh, I want to point out that that was in mechanical engineering, which is not an easy feat. How did you balance a racing career alongside undergraduate studies? I didn't sleep a lot and I had amazing professors. So I was very lucky that um, once I got more into the depth of my mechanical engineering classes, I had a lot of professors that had experience in the automotive or racing industry. So they were extremely supportive of what I was doing and uh, (laughs) very, very helpful with giving me work ahead of time or, you know, if letting me take an an exam, maybe on a date when I get back from a race. So I was a I was very blessed and the school actually ended up listing me as one of the school athletes. So I was able to use like, cause athletes get a certain number of, uh, of days where you can, if they have a, a competition or event, they can reschedule a test. So I was very lucky to, uh, to have a school that was supportive of that. You're able to parlay that into the infinity engineering Academy and lived in Europe in 2019. Talk about that experience. Uh, that was such an amazing experience. And I can't believe it's already been two years since that happened. But it was, uh, I, there's really no no bad parts, because I got to live with some amazing and other engineers that are, you know, the same age, they share the same passions, and we're still all great friends today, we all stay in touch. And so just to be in an atmosphere where it's like so many like minded people, and we're all like, just eager to learn, happy to be there and um, can share, you know, those same, those same passions. And then working for Infinity and Renault was, you know, a dream come true. I got to learn so much to just whether it be like how, you know, how big company, big corporation operates with Infinity and then all the, you know, the massive amount of attention to detail at Renault. It was, uh, it was a very, very uh, special year. And I I definitely uh, think it was probably one of the, uh, the, the game-changing years for me. Well, this was on the engineering side, but when you go back to eight years old, did you think that racing could take you all over the world? No, probably not. <laughs> probably. I guess I didn't even 
comprehend the uh, the uh, opportunities that were out there for for racing. And until I didn't really even discover F1 until I was about 15 or 16 years old. And I wish that I wish I had known all of the things <laughs> that were that were out there because I'm like, wow, you know, um, I would have maybe tried to make a different different path for myself earlier on. But um, I'm just so blessed and, and happy to be doing that now. What would you have done differently? I think I probably would have changed my approach to sponsors um, and and tried to get them on board sooner and then um, maybe leveraged differently with the amount that was going to karting and try to do some more testing in cars beforehand just so I could try to at least, you know, get my foot in the door. And then I would have really um, gone to more races just to be present uh, and introduce myself more to teams and team owners. I think that would have, that would have been very beneficial as well. We take a quick pause here on the Women Shifting Gears podcast to hear from one of our sponsors, Crash Jewelry. Hi, I'm Christy Shimke, founder and designer at Crash Jewelry. We create sustainable unisex jewelry from discarded sheet metal that we source from late model, luxury, and exotic cars. As a woman in the automotive industry, I'm thrilled to be part of the Shifting Gears family. Women supporting other women allows us all to thrive in this male-dominated community. We're also proud to offer a 15% discount to all Shifting Gears members. Just use the code GSE15 at checkout. You talked about uh, becoming a driver with the W Series. Uh, On your website, it says you were one of 18. I actually like the stat that of 100, uh, it whittled down to you being one of 18 Talk about that experience. That experience was, I mean, unlike any other, because you here you have all these these women that are used to being the, usually the only one or the one of two. And then they got us all together in Austria uh, for the very first evaluation event. And everyone, I feel like everyone was kind of like anxious, like to see what would happen. And once we got there, everyone got along super well. Um, you were put within a group. Uh, and you were, you just, you became friends and connected with all these women that has the same, that have the same passion as you. Whereas, you know, you most of your life, you've, you've never been around a whole group of women that, um, that think the same way and have had, you know, the same experiences. So that was, that was pretty amazing to, to experience that for the first time. And then obviously the race season itself was, I mean, a, dr- a dream come true for any racing driver, right? Like it, everything is paid for. Um, you get to race in amazing cars alongside DTM at European tracks. Um, we had amazing hospitality. They, the WCRs made sure anything that we really needed to, to help better our performances that they tried to su- provide all the support they could for us. And then it just b- boosted all of our profiles um, and they really helped grow our brand, their brand, and uh, kind of gave all of us a, uh, a second chance. Well, during that tryout, it wasn't just on-track performance they were looking at. What are some of the other things that they tested you guys on? So, yeah, so what they did in Austria is we did, um, you know, smooth driving tests. We did car control skills. We had to do like a um, like a timed race through a, a different, like there was different sections of the track that maybe were wet, icy, um, dry. And then we had to do, we had to drive rear-wheel drive car, front-wheel drive car, we had to drive a roll car. Um, we did physical testing and then we did um, an, a mental evaluation as well as team building activities. 
Um, and then we also ended up doing a, like an, a speech and then an interview at, at the end of, end of the speech. So it was, uh, it evaluated everything. Um, but at the end, actually what they did is they, they ranked you based off how you did in your group. Um, so based on those, just the number system and how fast you were in your group is, is how they chose the, uh, the ne- I think it was 28 that went to the, to the next set stage. As one of 18 selected for the W series, did that validate for you that you were knocking on the right doors? Yes, absolutely. It did for me to even be asked to submit my resume to be considered for the W series, I think shows that I was in the right places, talking to the right people and and on the right radar to even be considered for that. There's been a lot of controversy around the W series, but uh, in an interview that I saw with you and could have been separate from the W series, but you just talked about the lack of seat time that women get. How had, how did the W series experience help you gain more experience? Or I guess we'll say the butt time. <laughs> but uh, it definitely helped me improve my butt time. Um, it, I mean, it gave me six races in 2019, as well as two um, preseason tests that, I mean, I didn't have to find sponsorship for. So that's in itself is like mind blowing to me. So it, it took a big weight off my shoulders, definitely, and allowed me to just focus on the, on the driving aspect of it for the first time, rather than like being worried about, you know, I can't crash the car. I have to be careful. Am I going to make it to the next race if this or whatever happens? So just being able to have a consistent series that I'm, you know, signed up to do. And then on top of that, having, you know, world-class engineers and mechanics and having access to, you know, HINSA we had in 2019, it was just, we had so many resources that just, were put in place to help us become better drivers. Uh, and instead of me trying to, you know, juggle all, all of these things, it was, it was a very nice change. All of those things out of your mind for the temporary side for the W series, the financing, as you said, can I wreck this car or not? Can I push it to its edge? What did you notice about your driving during that period? Uh, I noticed that during some weeks I would be more willing to try different things and be open to learning new techniques because I knew that, you know, uh, in the long term, I was trying to develop as a driver rather than I didn't have to just win this race, do good at this race in order to make it to the next one. Like I knew that I had a consistent time period where I could grow and develop as a driver. Well, in 2019, you got the Striving Forward Award for most passes. (laughs) So that shows your willingness to be aggressive what do you think that also tells your competitors? Um, I think it tells them I have good race craft, um, but also that I probably need to get better at qualifying. <laughs> How do you do that? Uh, I've, I've very much been focusing on that. Um, it's about practicing the new tire runs and getting in a different mindset, a different state. Cause when I go into a race, you know, I'm, I'm reacting to what's happening and I'm just driving off of feel more and so I need to be able to just trust my feel in qualifying and not overanalyze and don't, don't be an engineer too much. <laughs> so I think that uh, changing that aspect for this year will, will hopefully make a big difference. What is uh, what does 2021 look like for you? So 2021, um, I have done and will continue to do more SCCA races, as well as doing two of the Porsche Sprint Challenge races and then W Series for the full season. Who do you look up to? 
I really look up to my parents and especially like with, with my dad, I feel like he gives me really good advice um, on how to, to deal with the mentality of being an, being a racer. So he's, he's been very vital in my growth. Um, but I guess I, I don't have one specific driver or athlete that I would say I, I look up to only. Um, I mean, I definitely take and, and admire so many things from many different people, but uh, I, I try to just take the, the good bits from everyone and then try to make the, the best version of me from, from those examples. And looking at the best version of you, how would you describe your driving style? I think my driving style, I'm usually pretty, pretty smooth. Um, I'm pretty good on the brakes as well as I've, I'm, I've got good racecraft. Where do you still hope to improve? High-speed corners and qualifying. Back in January, Racer Magazine released an article that said the Sports Car Club of America's next international superstar. And it was an article dedicated to you alongside the names of Dan Gurney and Roger Penske. When you read something like that, what is your hope for your future? Um, I mean, I would love to, to make it to IndyCar, but I know that it's going to be a, a long, tough road and it's going to take a lot of funding to get there. So all in all, all I can control, all I can do is to put my best foot forward every single race weekend and continue to try and improve as a driver and a person day in and day out. Sponsorship and funding is synonymous with racing. For our listeners, how difficult of a pursuit is finding funding? It's extremely difficult. Uh, I mean, that is really what stops most racing careers, Um, whether you're male or female, it's it's a, it's a struggle. Um, if you're not put in the right, um, situation, uh, or you don't have the right, you know, background for funding, it's, it becomes your life. And I spend more time doing that and preparing for that and worrying about that than I do, um, actually driving. So it's a, uh, it's very all consuming. There's not really a gym that you can go work on your free throws. There's not uh, a baseball field that you could go hit fly balls. Uh, there's no real way to duplicate a live race. How do you practice? So when I can't get in a car, um, I will make sure I put tons of time in the gym, uh, as well as doing exercises, you know, that simulate those sort of tensions that I'll, that I'll be under in the car, um, whether it be neck training, um, the way that your core is always loaded, reaction training. And then I will also do uh, sim as well, which is really big now. And, and the equipment and technology has gotten quite good. So that is, uh, that is a very good way to get some seat time and a great way to learn new tracks as well as practice different mental techniques. So I, I definitely utilize that when I have access to one. So when you're not on a racetrack, you're not practicing, what are you doing? Working. <laughs> okay. And yeah, right. Uh, so right now I work for Formula Mazda, uh, just in, in Crescent, Texas, and uh, they are releasing their new car this year. So I'm just helping finish up design and integration for that. Uh, so that's been really, really fun and learning a lot with that. And then if I'm not doing that, I'm um, coaching or I am working on sponsorship, um, hopefully petting my dog if, when I get to see him. <laughs> it sounds like you have about three or four jobs to work your first job. Yes, exactly. What would be your dream ride? Take the funding side out of it. Take the, uh, your, you know, I know as, as we go along in our careers, some of the restraints, we almost, 
uh, it kind of, I don't want to say stops the dream a little bit as you get more real, realistic on things. What would be your dream profession? I would say full season IndyCar with yeah. Team Penske. And then uh, as well as maybe a full IMSA season with Wayne Taylor Racing in L- in uh, DPI. <laughs> and <laughs> maybe throw in the 24 hours of Lama. And yeah, I think that sounds pretty good. That's pretty good. I think you just threw that out to the universe. And what I love is you said it all with this bright smile on your face. I mean, how could you not smile with saying that? (laughs) That's really awesome. What has racing brought your life? Racing has made me the person I am today. And I guess I, I just love racing because ever since I was a kid, I've noticed it challenges you in so many different ways versus, you know, a, a traditional sport would, because I feel like it, it puts in the technical side, it puts in the network and business marketing side, and it puts in, there's just so many aspects. And I feel like you have to learn to be uncomfortable and be okay with that as a driver. So if you can learn to, to, you know, weaponize the uncomfortable almost, then I feel like you can be successful in in a lot of areas, regardless of if you're going to be a race car driver or you want to go do something else with your life. So um, racing has, has taught me a lot of lessons and uh, I, I very much am, appreciative of all that it's had to teach me. It's back to that adaptability. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> well, we're going to make you uh, try to make you a little uncomfortable as we throw in <laughs> a lot here, as I'm going to throw some rapid fire questions to you. Okay. So we'll kick it off. What's your favorite road snack? Oh, I like carrots and hummus. That's pretty good. I think that is the healthiest answer I've had on this podcast so far. If I had to choose unhealthy, I would probably say all oh, those peach rings. You know, oh, okay. get the gas station. Oh, I know exactly what's one you're talking. So mine is the sour crawlers. So oh, it's right next too. to those peach rings. So I know where you're at. I see where you are in the gas station. <laughs> Go to karaoke song. Any of the Adele songs. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Power ballads. <laughs> uh, if you're, let's say you're on a long road trip, you're in the left seat. Who's in the right seat? My dog. <laughs> Who's your dog? His name is Amicus. And what is Amicus? Amicus is a chocolate Labrador. Oh, okay. So he's a big dog. He's a big dog. Fantastic. So he's all over the car. Oh, well, he's he's pretty good, <laughs> but he gets really excited. Um, he goes to work with my dad every day and Aww. he loves it. He will sit out by the truck to make sure he doesn't get left. And when he gets in a car, he's just jazzed about life and will bark and spin in circles and just like, we're going somewhere. And it just, it makes his day every day and and he never gets tired of it. So uh, he he does get a little rambunctious on car rides. This may be a, you might take this a different direction, direction as a racing driver, but is there a dream car you would love to drive? A street car or a race car? I guess you could take that whatever way you want. Okay. I guess if it's a race car, Probably the Mercedes Formula One car. If it's a street car, um, I would probably have to say a Koenigsegg one-to-one. Or I actually it'd be really cool to drive the McLaren Sabra just because it's after <laughs> <Dr. laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That's abs- that's hey, that's a good answer right there. You've been part of the shifting gears community. And you look at uh, women across automotive and uh, your age up to um, my age and beyond. 
why do you think that the community of women have collected so strongly in this space? I think that we're so used to being few and far between. So when we find women that share those same passions and we can relate to and we can geek out about them, then I feel like we find a sense of like belonging almost. And I feel like we, we get that. I mean, we can hang out with the guys and we can talk about racing and, but having a woman that can also share those, I think it's just, you connect on a, on a different level because they understand um, the experiences and the, the things that you go through. Well, as you continue going through your career, undoubtedly there are going to be the 13 year old girls as you once were reaching up to you, looking for support. What would you tell them now? I would tell them just be prepared to work hard. Um, but definitely just stand up for who you are. Don't, um, don't lose yourself along the way. And as long as you're willing to, you know, put your best foot forward and have the best perspective and put good people around you, you can achieve anything that, that you would like to. Who is Saber Cook? Uh, I guess I, I want to say I'm a racing driver and engineer, but people say you, what you do isn't who you are. So um, I guess Saber Cook is a nice, smart, sometimes funny dog lover. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I let you go, and, and I know that uh, you're currently – at a racetrack. I'm sure next week you're going to be at a different racetrack. So I know your schedule is busy. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Uh, I did talk to Lynn St. James ahead of this interview and uh, (laughs) she said that you were extremely competitive to the point that sometimes, you know, we can be too hard on ourselves sometimes. How do you use that to propel you forward? I guess it goes back to the, to the hard work and attention to detail. And so I use that to put my energy into preparation and doing my homework and making sure I'm as prepared as I can to go into a weekend, but also learning that sometimes you have to change your perspective and not make it, um, take the emotion out of it basically and be very pragmatic about, you know, your ambitions and be like, okay, well, this is where I want to go. And these are the things I need to get done. So you just, you know, you, you go on and do them and sort of look at it. Once you take like the emotion and the stress and all the pressure off yourself that way, um, I think that that really made a big change for me uh, a few years ago. Thank you, Sabrin. Where can we find you and follow along on your journey? Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms uh, under Sabra Cook or Sabra Cook Racing. All right. We look forward to it. Thank you so much. Best of luck. Thank you. <laughs> the Women Shifting Gears podcast is produced by GS Events, a female-owned collective with a mission to amplify women's voices across the automotive culture. Follow along on our journey on Instagram and Twitter at the handle Women Shifting Gears or on the web at gsevents.live.